0: You're listening to The Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 31, The DC Universe, and a tribute to Harlan Ellison.
1: This is The Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie.
0: Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 31 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie.
1: Brian, 31? Mm-hmm. Hmm, that sounds like, I don't know, handbags or something <laughs> like
0: that. <laughs> well, before we get started, because I am the magic geek, I did want to start the program off by saying my congratulations to Teller of Penn and Teller of his surgery going through. For those of you who don't know, Teller had back issues, and they were going to need to do fusion surgery, fuse some of his vertebrae together. And they were hoping to put that off for a little while because they had, of course, their Vegas show, and they had a show in Biloxi they were going to do. But last Friday, Teller's back started acting up so badly that they said they, there was no way he was going to be able to put it off any longer. Did so. he
1: say that? Did Teller say that, He, tex- he, um, <laughs> he put it in Twitter. So <laughs> The thing
0: about Teller is he doesn't talk. Well, he does talk on stage. But there are moments he talks on stage that you can't hear him because ah. the bit they do with the rabbit and the woodchipper. Oh. Oh, you don't know about this? No. Throwing a rabbit and a woodchipper? Oh no. <laughs> well, when the wood chipper's going, Teller will talk, but you can barely hear him because, ah. because it's mm-hmm. making so much noise. But of course, all these years that Teller has been hanging upside down from his ankles, escaping from straitjackets. Jumping in and out of boxes, swinging on a trapeze over bear traps. Uh, he has put himself through a lot. He's 70 at this point. Yeah. So still active and magic keeps you young, but it'll mess your back up if you're trying mm-hmm. to get off a straight jacket all the time. So, but... From what I understand, what Teller posted on Twitter, the surgery went great. He just needs to rest right now, and once he's done with that, they'll be back on stage, and I figure they're going to do a makeup date for Biloxi, but I'm just glad to hear that he's doing well, that he's feeling better, and that he'll be back on stage performing uh, before you know it. So I need to go. Now, one thing I did want to talk about today was there was an announcement this week from DC, is that DC is getting ready to put out what they call DC Universe, not to be confused Used with DC Universe Online, which was their MMORG game. Apparently what they're going to be doing is they're going to put out this online streaming service where you can watch TV shows like the old Wonder Woman TV show or the animated TV shows. They're going to have a lot of their animated movies that they had. All the Warner Brothers superhero movies, those will be available. I mean, all of that will be, you know, television and movies will be available streaming. They're also going to have comic books. They're going to have a comic book reader and you're going to be able to read certain comic books. I don't think it's going to be their entire background, but you're going to be able to see some of the... I think they're going to pick and choose some of their best comics that you're going to be able to read. They're also going to have like a social network aspect where fans will be able to talk to each other. Something like a Facebook, I think, oh, or a, or a message any. board, or something like that. So
1: we're we're talking everything from Christopher Reeve, Superman, Batman, Keaton, all of them. Exactly. Um, Batman the animated series, Superman right. the animated series. Right, and a lot mm. of
0: the animated movies that they've had out, the, the one shots they're going to have. Mask those. of
1: Phantasm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. all those are going to be available as well, and yeah, they're going to have the social aspect to it. The so, um, but they're also going to be offering merchandise, which is going to be exclusive to the website so you'll be able to get new things there that you've not seen before. Hmm. So everything you can imagine about DC is they're going to have this in this one place. And so I've been thinking about that, and I was wondering how well this is going to work. And yeah,
1: because to me, it, it seems very niche. There's a lot of content there. It's not as universal as, like, a Netflix. Yeah. Or there's certainly a lot of content, something you can look at. But if you don't like comic book movies or cartoons, or uh, it, is, it seems like a smaller crowd.
0: Yeah, well, I will say this. When I heard about this, what it reminded me of, the WWE.
1: Uh, wrestling.
0: They come out with their own streaming service.
1: I did not know that. Yeah, it's okay. called it's called
0: the WWE Network and it's been out for a few years now. It's like 9.95 a month basically. Okay. And you could watch any of their television shows, but you could also watch the pay-per-views and you didn't have to pay extra for the pay-per-views. You actually got them as part oh, well, of this month.
1: so You don't have to pay bukus money for the Royal Rumble. <laughs> right, you would you would
0: just get it as you part of the package. You just got it. Fun. But On top of that, they also had developed original programming, like interview programs. Uh, Like, I know uh, Mick Foley had a television show that was on the streaming. I think Stone Cold Steve Austin, his podcast, they decided to start airing that on the WWE network. And also, because of the fact that Vince McMahon, over the years, has bought out of a lot of his competitors... That has given him years upon years of old tapes of WCW, AWA, WCCW, just about all the old wrestling okay. shows that used to exist on television. That had ta- Georgia Championship Wrestling, all of that stuff. You can go, like a Netflix. You can go and watch different programs, and I mean, all of it's available. So, so really, if,
1: you could go back and watch Andre the Giant and mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Each other, wow, yeah,
0: or you could watch Andre the Giant fight Abdullah the Butcher, or when he f- fought the Sheik, they go, you know, okay,
1: now let's talk about the most important mm-hmm. Andy Kaufman.
0: Andy Kaufman. Well, yes, because what well, I believe because yes, they bought out a lot of those as well. So, yes, mm-hmm. you could I believe you could in fact watch Andy Kaufman and Jerry the King Lawler. I think even that is possible that you are going to be able to stream a lot of that stuff as well. And so, if you love wrestling, 995 is a bargain. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. it's a lot of uh, content that you wouldn't necessarily get to see anywhere else if you like wrestling.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking the same thing. Niche. Yeah. Um, market, but if that has been going on for several years now, and they do have this original programming, and mm-hmm. not to mention with as you were saying the uh, social media aspect right. of DC Online, uh, you know, maybe this could be something that uh, where I mean, people this, it, to connect with each other. It's
0: definitely possible. And I mean, certainly for since we're talking wrestling, is like Jim Cornette likes to say, for people who are into this kind of thing, this is the kind of thing that they're into. <laughs> but Going back to the WWE Network, I mean, after the the number of years that it's been on, right now they have uh, about 2 million subscribers, which is nothing to sneeze at, certainly. But when you compare that to, say, Netflix, who Mm -hmm. at the same time has about 125 million subscribers... I mean that's a big difference. And mm-hmm. the main difference of course is Netflix has a lot of different content. Right. I mean it's there's
1: There's something for everyone. There's
0: a little something for everybody. And the truth is, I believe the main reason why D C and Warner Brothers is coming out with this streaming service is because it looks like the deal between Disney and Fox is gonna go through. And so part of that deal is gonna be Disney's gonna be getting Fox's percentage ownership of hulu and so that's going to allow them to do a lot of streaming stuff and so i can see where warner brothers and dc they want to have their own streaming service but i think the same problem you run into wwe network versus netflix you know it's going to be the same thing as dc universe versus hulu because if you like comic book movies either one's going to be great But if you got Hulu, not only can you watch the Marvel movies, but you can watch The Handmaid's Tale. Right. Or a lot of other stuff. And the thing is, it's not even like it's separated. Since Disney will have part ownership of Hulu, they'll make money if you watch The Handmaid's Handmaid's Tale. Tale. Mm
1: -hmm. Instead of Finding Nemo. Right,
0: exactly. <laughs> and they're going to have all of Fox's content. And they're going to have a lot of content, but they're going to have a lot of varied content.
1: So you get X-Files, Finding uh-huh. Nemo, and Handmaid's Tales. So that pretty much covers everything, right?
0: Yeah, I right? mean, well, plus the fact also is that Hulu is also a streaming service for television. It was meant to be a cord cutter. So people get Hulu so that they don't have to have cable television. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's pretty much everything. So you can watch AMC on Hulu. Okay. So Yeah,
1: I don't have Hulu, so I don't know these Yeah,
0: things. most people get Hulu so they can be a cord cutter and they don't have mm-hmm. to have cable. When you have a streaming service, and not to say going niche is a bad idea, because especially with the internet you get the opportunity that you can go for those niche audiences and you can reach them that's fine the issue you're going to run into is if you're wanting huge audiences you got to have content for everybody right especially when you're dealing with a situation like a streaming service where the upfront cost is going to be major because you've got to have servers that can handle a load of concurrent connections, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. You have to have fiber internet so that this, you don't get your stream bogged down. There's a lot of upfront costs that you've got to deal with. And you have to look at your business model to make sure that you you're not only are you going to be recouping those costs, but that you're going to be able to make a healthy profit, not just enough that you can pay your employees, and, but also to be able to put money back into it so that you can build on your platform and grow your platform. And I'm not saying that DC Universe isn't going to work, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be uphill for them because it is very niche. In the one side, you know, it's very risky, but especially in the world that we live in now, if you're not willing to take a chance for online, you have problems. You've got to be able to compete in the online market. Whether DC Universe is going to work for them I can't say, but it's a chance I think they're going to have to take. And hopefully if they can turn their franchise around movie wise, I think this could work out for them. Mm -hmm. The thing is, they, especially with how their luck has gone with movies in the past, they don't have a huge margin for error they've got to get things rolling in the right direction especially if they're going to be taking this thing on so fingers crossed definitely and you know before the, the dc fanboys come in with the torches and go well he's here he goes again <laughs> honestly if dc universe does well that's good for everybody but we'll have to see
1: and you know dc i think they're hitting a good time right now because if i'm not mistaken batman and catwoman got married yesterday or they're going to do it uh, pretty soon okay can't, guys can't put your
0: fingers in your ears for about 10 seconds because i'm about to bust a spoiler okay so from now uh it, they didn't get married.
1: Ah, uh-huh. but
0: what people got upset about is that dc comics spoiled that they went online and spoiled it and told people what was going to happen huh. they're like why would you do that and since we're on the thing on comic books we'll do a side note here movies tend to have more effect at what goes on in the comics at this point mm-hmm. and i'll give you the best example of it besides the fact that the way the infinity gems works in the comics has changed because of the movies really they have not just that but recently they've announced that in the comics that all the inhumans are going to be killed off and you're like why are they doing that well the tv show didn't do so well did it
1: oh come on
0: (laughs) it's strange how what's happening in the movies and the tv shows are Mm -hmm. having more effect Of what happens in the comics than the other way around. They're pulling a lot of the best stuff out of the comics for the movies. But the movies are the important thing Mm -hmm. now. Because even though, obviously, it's more expensive to put out a movie than it is to put out a run of a comic, the movie's going to make billions of dollars. It's going to have millions of viewers. When a comic book, even very popular, might Mm. have 140,000 copies sold. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's if it's a top, top tier. So. So the comics are delivered through the movies and through television now. That's where most people catch them. So mm-hmm. that's really, honestly, the important side of comics right now. And I know a lot of purists out there, a lot of comic book fans are not very happy about it. But it, it is what it is. What el- what can you do? So, But Ant-Man the Wasp started yes. today. So mm-hmm. I, we'll be watching that this weekend and hopefully having something to say about it come next podcast. Mm-hmm. And so... Before we end today, I did want to take a moment to talk about something that happened last week. This happened after we had uh, taped the podcast, after we'd recorded everything. We lost a sci-fi legend, mm-hmm. Harlan Ellison, who passed mm-hmm. away. And I did want to take a moment to talk about Harlan and really not just his life, but I think some of the life lessons I think that that we, that we got. Not just from his life, but I think a lot of the discussion that's been going on since he's passed away. And now you've you've read some of Harlan mm-hmm. Ellison.
1: Yes. And uh, you've got to meet him, haven't you? I did. Yeah, that's as a
0: matter of fact, it was the first time I'd ever met other writers was at the World Horror Convention in New York City in two thousand five. This is when I went from being somebody alone in my house, writing who didn't really know other writers And i took that first step to meet other writers and i got to meet a bunch of writers and harlan ellison was one of them and i'd read him for a while where i first really got introduced to harlan ellison was on the sci-fi channel there was a sunday show called sci-fi buzz and i loved watching that show and toward the end of the show there would be a segment a narrated segment by harlan ellison called harlan ellison's watching and he would talk about different things about the world of sci-fi mostly in literature but he would talk about different things and he would give his commentary and i loved watching those commentaries they were very spirited shall Mm -hmm. we say they were very harlan ellison if you know harlan ellison and i learned a lot about a lot of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes when it came to science fiction and but i really learned about his passion for science fiction and that's where I've, I first started to, to learn about Harlan Ellison. And I started to look, and of course, I was a big fan of Omni Magazine back in the day and learned more about him there. And I started picking up the short stories. And of course, in 2005, I actually got to meet him. The thing about Harlan, if you don't like science fiction, you don't know who Harlan Ellison is. Right. Definitely. I mean,
1: if you really can't talk about science fiction, you know, you talk about Clark Asimov. Ellison, uh, Matheson, these are the names that you know exactly. of when it comes to science fiction. Yeah, if you,
0: and if you do like science fiction, then, I mean, I don't need to tell you anything about him. You, you know him. The thing about Harlan Ellison, he was a very polarizing character because he was a very polarized person. Hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing about Harlan Ellison, the man had talent, no question. One of his favorite stunts to pull when he was younger was he would go to a department store and they would set up a desk and a typewriter in the window of the department store. And then somebody would give him a strange sentence, you know, like a description of a story. And immediately, he would sit down to the typewriter and type out a story, and as the pages would come out, they would tape them to the window, and he would create a story.
1: Wow. That's like performance art installation.
0: Well, he said that he did that because he wanted people to understand that there was no magic to being a writer. It was putting in the work. And Mm -hmm. as long as he had done it, he could put in the work really easily. And so I remember one time the sentence was the 1000 year old pregnant corpse and Mm -hmm. he wrote a complete story over it. And he always used an Olympia typewriter. He hated computers. He never wrote on a computer. He could type 150 words a minute with two fingers. Wow. No typos. And that was the way he preferred to write. But again, he was a polarizing figure because, like Nietzsche described in his parable of the tree on the mountainside, the branches grow up into the sun, the roots dig down deep into darkness, into evil. And Harlan Ellison was capable of great kindness. I remember in 2005, him talking to another writer, Owl Going Back, a Native American sci-fi writer who had just lost his house oh, man. Uh, because of Hurricane Genie. I, I mean, literally did not have a place to live. And I remember Harlan Ellison said, look, your writing is more important than you worrying about getting a place to live. I will help you get a house. Oh. Harlan, that was just the way he was. If he was your friend, he would go to the ends of the earth for you. But the other thing about Harlan Ellison is that if he had a grudge, he held it for life. My understanding was he had a grudge with his sister and they didn't talk. And I think he held that for the rest of his life. I haven't heard that they were able to mend fences. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if if he felt like he'd been disrespected by you, he could hold a grudge forever. That once you were on his list, there was really no way of getting off of it. You know, you'd hear all these stories of great kindnesses that he would do for people. But you'd also hear the stories about him grabbing a boob at an award ceremony. Oh, oh. And he did it. He didn't deny it. And, of course, it was, you can go on YouTube and find it. You can watch Mm -hmm. it happen. And, and of course, his answer about it was he sort of apologized for it. But there was also sort of this, you know, you have to understand the context. To which my answer to that, of course, is that when you grab a woman's breast, she's the one who gets to set the context. That's not (laughs) your job. You don't get to set the context. That's Uh her breast, her rules. That's kind of how it works, kids. (laughs) But Harlan, again, he's one of those situations where he's really important to science fiction, but there's parts about him that are not all that pleasant. And especially in our day and age, We have a problem with being able to separate somebody's work from a lot of their behavior. Laura Ingalls, Wilder, they're wanting to take her name off an award because a line that was, the only good engine is a dead engine.
1: Oh, mm -hmm. Well,
0: that was the time period that she lived Mm in, but...
1: Sort of like Huckleberry Finn, you know? Yeah,
0: Huckleberry Finn, definitely, and and the use of And they edited it. Of course, there was a whole issue with, you know, H.P. Lovecraft. Although, seminal when it comes to weird fiction, he had this problem with people of color. No question, no question that that was an issue. And it wasn't even a matter of that these were two sides of his personality. If you don't have H.P. Lovecraft's racism, you don't have a shadow out of Innsmouth. His racism directly guided the way that story was developed. It doesn't exist without his racism. And so it can be very difficult sometimes, I think, to to make those distinctions between somebody's art and their behavior and the feeling that if they were Poorly behaved, you have to throw their art away, regardless Mm -hmm. of how talented it is. And certainly, this is something that, as a culture, we're struggling with right now. Mm -hmm. Best example Sarah Silverman, really good friends with Louis C.K. And she's in that quandary. She's talked about it on a show that she had called I Love America. And she talks about how do I love somebody who did the terrible things that he did? And I think one of the things that we're missing as a culture is, I mean, this was something that has been dealt with a long time ago. I th- The Greeks had it right, I think, is that they understood that there are different kinds of love, and they had different names for them all. Mm-hmm. And there is an... Agape, eros. Agape. Mm-hmm. Well, agape love is the type of love that I love somebody, even though I understand they have faults. It's a love that in the New Testament they use to describe God's love for humanity, because... God understands that human is flawed, but God still loves humanity anyway. To say, hey, people aren't perfect doesn't begin to touch, you know, some of these people. <laughs> and even, like I said, Harlan Ellison, just saying, well, you know, he's he's not perfect like the rest of us aren't perfect. Doesn't cover some of the stuff that mm-hmm. he's done. But sometimes we have to, I feel, one, you have to be careful about having heroes in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because being a hero, being somebody's hero, that's just really hard thing to live up to because I mean we all kind of fall short of that but at the same time I think we need to learn to separate a person's behavior from their art we need to be able to appreciate somebody's art and talent and to appreciate what they've been able to do to forward an art form and we need to be able to appreciate that and understand it and you know be grateful for it but at the same time not to forget the bad things that they did and not to give them a pass because of their talent but also to not throw away the benefits of their genius because of their behavior. It's a very difficult line to, mm-hmm. to walk. But I think ultimately, as a culture, we need to learn how to divide those two things. Parlin Ellison. A lot of the works that he'd done were just absolutely seminal works. I have no mouth and I must scream. Mm-hmm. Repent Harlequin said the TikTok man.
1: Yes, and I listen to old radio shows, which I love. 1940s radio is brilliant because they're talking about saving up your war coupons and mm-hmm. your, your rationing tickets. Yes. Right. And uh, oh, they're so funny. And there was a radio dramatization of Repent Harlequin said the TikTok man. And as I was listening to it, and I realized that uh, that sounds a lot like that Justin Timberlake movie that came out a few years ago. It was supposed to be a really big sci-fi hit for the summer, whenever it came out. I can't exactly remember when, but basically pay in time. If you're late 10 minutes, then you lose 10 minutes of your life. If you stop traffic for 30 minutes, then you get thirty minutes taken off of your life right and so I, I did some research and I went to looking and apparently Harlan Ellison had heard about the movie being made and really upset about it, and so there was a big legal battle, and then I think they were going to give him a screenwriting credit. but then he saw the movie and something along the lines of uh oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: It, I mean similar concept uh, well, very diff- very different stories but but that concept well, of paying I, and, for everything with time.
0: Right. And that's certainly part of the Harlan Ellison mystique. He was litigious as all hell. He sued Time Warner because his story showed up on the internet. Of course, the the classic um lawsuit that he filed was against James Cameron in The Terminator. What happened there was during uh, what we were talking about how Harlan Elson had written some classic episodes of sci-fi television, Star Trek, A City at the Edge of Forever. And he also wrote some episodes of The Outer Limits, mm-hmm. one of them being Soldier and another one being The Demon with the Glass Hand.
1: Oh, yes. yes the glass r- Hand. With the, yes, with the fingers. and Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: He wrote that one. Okay. So that that was a Harlan Ellison story. And so during a Starlog interview with James Cameron, they asked him where he got the idea for the Terminator. And he said, and I quote, I ripped off a couple of Harlan Ellison stories. Oh. <laughs> Not the kind of thing you want to say. Mm-hmm. And so Harlan Ellison found out about it. He got a an advanced copy of the interview and he's like oh you ripped me off did you well then wow <laughs> and he wound up getting they didn't say how much money but he got some money out of it and plus when you see the terminator you see he gets a credit inspired by the work of harlan ellison no. but that was him for him all over in modern times the thing that he's known for is a little snippet of video that you can find on youtube just do a search for harlan ellison pay the writer hmm. uh it's a classic i mean it has become the writer's war cry it came from a, a documentary called uh, dreams with sharp teeth and if you not had a chance to see it mm-hmm. folks definitely check it out because you get the good bad and ugly of harlan ellison in one swell foop and you get to see a lot of uh, his relationships with other people like robin williams and he were really close friends Patton oswald and he had a, mm. a, a deep friendship neil gaiman The thing about it was Harlan Ellison, when he thought you had talent, he would shout praises from the hilltops. Mm -hmm. But if he held a grudge, forget about it. You Mm -hmm. were done. So he was always quick to anger and sometimes to a point where it bothered him as well. But he was always quick to anger. He was quick to praise. He was a very passionate individual and we may see a, a genius equal to his, but a person equal to Harlan Ellison, I think I can't even say it would come along once in a lifetime. I think Harlan Ellison was a unique individual. When he was made, God broke the mold out of fear. <laughs> it's like we can't do this again. There's a lot of people you know online and uh, in print discussing their Harlan Ellison stories. Uh, I will give you one that I have from 2005 is I remember Harlan Ellison going through downtown New York and he hated, uh, he hated downtown New York because it was all shiny and bright. It wasn't the, the, the grungy dim downtown that he was used to absolutely hated it, but he did wind up going into an old sandwich shop that he used to go to. And, He walked in and was getting ready to order, and he noticed a father and a son sitting in a corner in a booth. And the father was sitting there looking at his son, and his son was in a Game Boy. This is how long ago this was. He's in a a Nintendo Game Boy. He's playing his game. And Harlan walks up to the table, and he grabs the game out of the kid's hand and slams it on the table. And he said, you get your nose out of that GD game, and you talk to your father. There's going to come a time when you won't get the opportunity to do that anymore, and you will regret it for the rest of your life. And he walks away. Now, of course, Harlan Ellison lost his own father when he was a teenager, Mm -hmm. so he sure as heck knew about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that story circulated all over the con. That story circulated, and the hotel where the con was wasn't the best hotel, and Harlan got stuck in an elevator for an hour. (gasps) It was not pleasant when they finally got him out.
1: I can imagine. Was he in there by himself?
0: No, he was in there with a few other people. But Ah. yeah, when the hotel staff was able to get him out, he tore into them. Mm -hmm. He's like, do you not know who I am? I'm Harlan Ellison. I'm the guy that sued Time Warner, and I won. (laughs) I will own you. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of people talking about Harlan. They're going to talk about the good about him. They're going to talk about the bad about him. And... Both of those things are valid, but that's what made the man.
1: But go read his stories. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't read his stories, go read them. Go watch some Outer Limits.
0: Check out Dreams with Sharp Teeth. Mm-hmm. Great stuff there, definitely. So. And so with that, we come to the end of episode 31 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. From Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the Geek Watchers out there that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.